0: Hey everybody, you're listening to another special edition of This Week in Marvel called This Week in Kirby as we chronicle the 100th birthday of Jack King Kirby, one of the most important and revered figures in the history of Marvel and of comics. And today I'm talking to an expert on all things Marvel, uh, one of the great historians of our time, Mr. Peter Sanderson. Peter, welcome back to to the show. Glad to be
1: here. It's been too long.
0: Way too long. Definitely glad to have you on. And, uh, of course, Jack Kirby's a topic that you have lots to say about, right? Oh, of course. I've been reading his stuff for 51 years. Well, let's start there. What was your first encounter with Jack Kirby and his work?
1: It was way back in 1966. Actually, my very first encounter, although I didn't realize it was Kirby, was seeing the Marvel Superheroes. Animated show that started that fall because what they did was they were animating artwork from the comics, so sometimes I would see Kirby artwork without knowing it. But what really impressed me was when I started buying Marvel Comics that fall, and let's say the first two Kirby books that really made an impression on me there was an issue of Tales of Suspense which had, um. Captain America fighting his, his rival, Batroc Seely Bear. <laughs> and there's one famous page which is just a nine panel fight scene between Captain America and Batroc and Stan I know you're has, talking about it's great Stan just has like one or two captions saying basically I'm just gonna sit back and, and let you watch Jack go mm-hmm. and it was I got, I'd been a DC Comics reader before this and i need DC Comics I was so tame in comparison to this I was so impressed by this by the dynamism of this fight scene and then uh, the same month I bought fantastic for 50 let's say 58 and this was part of an ongoing storyline about Doctor Doom stealing the Silver Surfer's power. Yes, yes, And a lot of it was a big battle between oh, wow. Doctor Doom on the, on the Silver Surface surfboard and the thing. And I'd never seen anything so dramatic before in comics. But, I mean, when I first started reading Marvel Comics, actually Gene Colan was my favorite artist. Because he came from the... He, and he was obviously influenced by the great illustrators of the 20th century. And so that was, so he had a more realistic style. It took me, But I was impressed with Kirby. But it took me a little while to realize just how great he was because I had to adjust. His artwork is somewhat stylized, and I had to adjust to that kind of thing.
0: How much do you know about Curly, uh, Kirby's early work, his Golden Age work? Did you go back and uh, get into any of that after you initially saw his Silver Age work?
1: Well, not way back then. What I've done, but in recent years, I've been doing a, a lot of research at the Columbia University Library, which now has an, an immense graphic novel collection, and they have a lot of early Kirby work. And when he was uh, partnered with Joe Simon back in the '40s and '50s, and so yes, I have seen a great deal of Kirby's earlier series before the uh, Marvel Age comics started in the 60s. And, but it wasn't until the Marvel Age that I think his artwork really reached its height. I mean, he was, he was always interested. He was interesting, he was always innovative, but I don't think would be remembering him. I don't think it'd be as big a name. Let's put it this way. I think that, you know, aficionados of so oh, golden age comics art would remember him. Yeah. But I don't think it'd be as big a name if not for this work he did in the 60s. It's as if working working on the books in the 60s at Marvel really unleashed what he could do but I mean even if you look back at say, the Simon and Kirby Captain America there's, there's an energy a power to the, to the action and the fight scenes that you don't see anywhere else in comics at that time that's also been pointed out that Kirby was uh, before you know, the earliest comic books were reprints of comic strips from newspapers. But it's been pointed out that Kirby was one of the first artists, maybe the first artist, to really recognize how you could—you didn't—you weren't locked into it. Locked into a, uh, a grid of panels that you could play with the size of the panels. You could have characters, you know, in one panel have their legs and arms extended to another panel, and you could play with the shapes of panels. And in other words, he was—he was one of the first people to recognize. The potential of the comic book as a medium. And I've seen a lot of his other work, you know, some of Boys Ranch, some of Stuntman, Black Magic. I mean, he was, after the superheroes of the early 40s, he was doing, he and Joe Simon were basically going into all these other genres, including inventing the romance genre. And you'd think that his romance comics of the 50s would be sort of you know you don't have the big action scenes but but instead you could you would mock I admire his, his skill at composition, at storytelling, at bringing a certain amount of energy into what could otherwise be just a dull, talking head's stories.
0: Right. He had so much versatility. I mean, like you said, he did all sorts of genres. He did westerns. He did some yes. classic monster stuff. What do you well, think... Well, was... the monster stuff is the,
1: towards the, you know, the end of the 50s or early yeah. 60s, when he came back to Marvel and yeah. he was... That's when he was doing Fin Fan film, and I don't think he gets enough r- recognition for he and Stan co-created Groot mm-hmm. back then. Who oh, n- never imagining he'd become such a big character you know, years later.
0: But yeah, what contributed to Kirby's versatility, his ability to, he did superheroes better than anyone, we know that, but he was, like you said, he was able to do romance, he was able to do westerns, he was able to do monsters. What do you think about his art style, his work ethic, made him so
1: adaptable to other kinds of comics? I really don't know, he's sort of sui generis, he's sort of, uh, he doesn't really have any forbears in the comic book field. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's supposed to have been a big admirer of Hal Foster, who did the Prince Valiant comic strip, but that's very stately and illustrative. And, I mean, you can still see the influence on Thor in terms of costume, character, medieval sort of characters. But in terms of these sort of action scenes I suppose he must have gotten that from the movies because I can't imagine where else he would have gotten it from he was really he was really the person who began the sort of dynamic action and the sort of expressionistic distortion of bodies. I mean, you don't really notice when you're reading a Kirby story. I was just looking at one last night where this this character has his... He's about to jump and he's got his legs spread so far apart that it would be impossible for a real person to do it, but you really don't notice it at the time Mm -hmm. because he's able to distort bodies to emphasize power and speed, but do it in a way that the reader just buys it. He, He just... He doesn't notice that it's a, that is an exaggeration in terms of his work ethic. Kirby was famous, had a famous work ethic. I mean, he was um, he really needed the, needed to do as much as possible to earn a living to support his family, right. and right. comics did not pay that well when he was when he was in the business, which is why he, one reason he eventually went into animation instead. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, so he's um, so he would be working like all day at, at his board. And you know, at, at his peak at Marvel, he was like doing, when I was re- started reading but at Marvel. He was doing uh, Fantastic Four and and Thor and Captain America, which took up half of his spent every month. And this is, you know, you know, there's a. I think people like John Byrne used to refer to uh, working at Kirby speed. Can you get up to Kirby speed? And all that? because he was able to produce so much. And keep in mind that of course he wasn't just drawing this stuff. He was, um, and I believe it said that uh, it's not, when he was drawing pages. It's not like he was like like doing sketches first. It's like he was just drawing it like top to finish, top to bottom. It would just pour out of him, and uh, and. Uh, But of course, he was also, you know, such a major contributor to to the plots of of whatever story he was working on. So he was like this font of imagination as well. And again, he was turning out all this stuff on a regular basis in his real life jack had so
0: much interesting stuff going on whether it was his upbringing as kind of a tough kid on the streets to his yeah. involvement in world war ii to mm-hmm. all the different like you said his, his trying to support his family how do you feel like his real life played into the stories he told
1: well i think in a lot in a, a lot of ways he was disguising his real life i did a panel uh some months back about um that was b- both about Will Eisner and Jack Kirby because they—they they were both, they both have their centennials this year. They were born like six months apart. Oh, wow. They grew up in nearby neighborhoods on the Lower East Side. They were both Jewish, had Jewish American background, but they went in, in completely different directions. Was my point on the panel, which is that towards the towards the, the last phase of his career, Eisner was like continually explore, going back to doing stories about. The period in which he grew up in the twenties and the thirties, and re reexamining it, and this and talking about the writing about the tragic side of the people's existence back then, whereas Kirby was escaping from all that. He was, I mean, he did do this this one story, Street Code, which is about uh, basically being being a boy on the streets, on the streets on the Lower East Side when at the time during the Great de- during the Depression, I guess and having to deal with fights but I mean he was mostly escaping through that through through and his best work through fantasy through was Eisen was portraying the past Kirby was portraying the futuristic Mm -hmm. but you could you you see traces of this I mean traces of his real life I mean and um it said that um you know various characters that he did were sort of stand-ins for himself it yeah was, I wanted to talk sort of, about that yeah I mean it's uh, Mark Evanier, who was his assistant when he began his own career has pointed out some months ago in his blog that um, Reed Richards in the earliest Fantastic Four stories looks like pictures of the young Jack Kirby oh, right. but in fact the character that Kirby seemed to identify most with was The Thing. Yep. Because yep. there's that what if story that he did. What if the original Marvel bullpen was a fantastic Four, and Kirby cast himself as The Thing. And if you think about it, that uh, well, Eisner right. right. did this interview with Kirby once in which Eisner pointed out that Kirby seemed to have a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's this famous anecdote about when Kirby was working in Eisner's studio way back when. And this sort of, this mob connected guy was trying to pressure Eisen into doing something and Kirby just charged out and threatened the guy and forced wow. him to leave. Oh, nice. And Kirby was this, you know, short guy, short but feisty, but it's like a, so that, you know, he had a lot of, so that's, you know, Eisen said he has a lot of anger and he, he seems to sublimate it in, into his work. I mean, maybe that helped, that explains the power and the energy of the fight scenes. Um, but um, maybe if you think about a character like The Thing, I mean, the, the you know, The Thing has a, ha, originally was a very angry character. There's two storylines Kirby did about The Thing going, going evil. Um, you know, he, he's always yelling, it's clobbering time, but he also has a lot of insecurity about himself, about his appearance, which might be a reflection on Kirby. Kirby being a, a member of a minority, I, I don't know. Um, certainly, they both showed that she had a fondness for cigars. Um, I mean, the, the thing famously had a rivalry with the with the gang members on Yancey Street, the Yancey Street Gang, mm-hmm. and that was sort of Kirby turning his real life experiences with with gangs when he was when he was growing up into comedy because um, it was only a few years ago that I realized that Yancey Street is really D Lancy Street a real place on the Lower East side of New York City um, it's also said that um, Kirby was um, identified with Nick Fury and, and again Nick Fury is you know a lot of anger a lot you know, you think of Nick Fury in those war comics in the early Shields, and he's always, you know, he's always yelling at somebody and, and getting as close to swearing as the code would allow, and rough and tough, and again another cigar fancier. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I think that nowadays when people think of Nick Fury as Samuel Jackson, they sort of they sort of lost track of the Kirby. Fury connection, but there you go. Um, and it sneaks in in other ways. I mean, all through his career, he would do stories about boy gangs, like the, the boy groups, like the Boy Commandos, or like the Newsboy Legion, who lived in suicide slum over, you know, in the Golden Age DC comics. Um, you know, Kirby would do like, you know, there's a Fantastic Four story that a um, storyline that he did. Late in his run on the series in which the thing goes to this planet with the scrolls all imitating Earth gangsters. And, and, you know, obviously that, obviously Kirby had watched that certain Star Trek episode, but this also reflects Kirby's, Kirby's, you know, knowledge of the the gangs that, and the criminals in New York when he was growing up. And, you know, similarly over at DC, you know, Darkseid had an Earth gang called Ender Gang, who you're working for so you know you keep seeing you, see, you keep seeing like, like oh, uh, the one shot in the Days of the Mob that he wants to so you keep seeing things like that turn up
0: yeah so we've talked about some of Kirby's major characters but I know you've got a knowledge, a deeper knowledge of, you know, so many of the characters you created, hundreds of characters. Who are some of the lesser-known Kirby creations who stand out to you as having stood the test of time? Well, gee, um, I hadn't expected that. (laughs) Um, I always try to keep you on your toes, Peter.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's like um, pretty much everything has stood the test of time in one way or another. I mean, I, I was recently... Earlier this year, I was reading through Devil Dinosaur*, for example, go, yeah. or um, or say I think the *Eternals*, which is the last great series that he did, and he did it did it at Marvel, mm-hmm. and it, it, it it's this amazing vi- amazing epic vision of that ranges over millions of years, really, because it's about it's about the how this enigmatic godlike race, the Celestials, came down millions of years ago and experimented on humanity's ancestors and created three race three racist beings on well, humanity. The the eternals who seem to have been like like, like the gods or, or the angels of various religions and the deviants who were the who who gave rise to the myths of devils and demons mm-hmm. and how the celestials returned to return to, uh, to to observe humanity until judgment day which would be fifty years off. And it's a the I don't, it wasn't all that successful at the time but it's a, but you know virtually every Kirby series has got has been rediscovered over the over the years and has its following in the eternal so I think it, is this is an important important series and uh, which is why like people like you know like Neil Gaiman did a revival of it some years back because he saw the potential in it I mean it's like the thing about Kirby is that you know you th- you think about it, it's like you know, pretty much all the characters he created at Marvel. I've ended up being part of this pantheon of characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you, you make a suggestion about a minor Kirby character. What do you want? No, you know, I'm asking you, do you want to suggest a minor Kirby, Kirby character? I'm just blanking up. Everybody I'm thinking of is, is, you know, the Inhumans, the, the Black Panther, they started, the, even the Silver Surfer started out as supporting characters. Yeah. Pretty much yeah. one-shot characters and they, and they took on lives of their own because Stan and Jack between them gave them so much personality and so much energy and so much iconic appeal yeah. That, yeah. They, that they spun off. I mean, it, you know, like, you know, I don't know whether when they, when they created Dr. Doom that they'd realize how, how, what a major character he'd become in the Marvel universe. Yeah, I was going
0: to yeah. talk about, I mean, we talked a lot about- the
1: all, all like all Ego, like the living planet, say, hey. and, and Thor, an amazing visual concept. It's great. And yeah, and he turns up and got the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yeah, absolutely. Who'd have thought? <laughs> I mean and again like what I was saying with Groot. I mean, that one shot character for a monster story and portrayed very differently. Mm-hmm. Has a much bigger vocabulary From when when his first appearance sure, sure. Uh, at the end of which he's destroyed. But look, now he's now everybody loves him. Yeah. He's, he's an action figure. People love him.
0: Yeah, you yeah, yeah. transitioned a little to something I want to talk about before we wrap things up, and that is, you awesome. talked about Doctor Doom and Ego. He, he created such memorable villains Doom. as well as heroes. I mean, you look at that Fantastic yeah, yeah. Four run alone, and just like villain after villain, him and Stan are just churning him out. Who are some of the bad guys bad. who really stand out to you as current creations?
1: Bad guys. Well, one we'll Doctor Doom, of course. Doom, I'm a lot front and center, no doubt. Yeah, you. front What the fuck? there's sort of a rivalry in my mind between Dr. Doom and Darkseid
0: mm.
1: over at yeah. DC. But what I, I realized is that Darkseid Dur- might be a greater icon and symbol of evil, but Dr. Doom is a much greater character. He's much more complex. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. He has a
1: sympathetic side. He has, you know, he has, has this love for his love for his mother. He has this rivalry with Reed. He has, his, he has, he's genuinely cares about the people of area. and yet he has these, uh, he's, um, he's capable of such immense evil. He's, he, He's a, he believes in totalitarian, totalitarian philosophy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you say create, I mean, I, I don't want to leave Stan out of this. Because, no, of course not. Because, I mean, Kirby's be- best and most enduring work is the stuff that he did at Marvel in the 60s with Stan as collaborator. And as I think I've said on a previous podcast, we weren't there at the time. Nobody took records. Mm-hmm. We're never going to know how much how much, you know, what proportion of these stories was Stan and what proportion of the plots was Stan what proportion was Kirby, although Kirby was clearly doing more and more of it as he went along. I mean, these were co-creations, and even if Stan only just scripted the stories, he's the one who defined these characters' personalities. So when we talk about the great... Great creations of that time. I mean, you yeah. know, there's Doctor Doom, there's Loki, there's Galactus. I mean, Galactus is one of the, the Galactus trilogy is one of the foremost storylines in comics, period, in Marvel history. Uh, and, um, and this leads me to something I wanted, I should bring up, which is one of the Kirby's uh, themes throughout, pretty much throughout his career, I mean, even the Golden Age, you can see it beginning, is that he's interested in what he calls gods. I mean, it's like su- supernatural beings either good or evil, or superhuman beings, either good or evil, and pe- the people who sort of struggle to struggle to survive in between the battles between these good and evil characters. And you see him doing this over and over again. You know, it's like the good mutants and the evil mutants in X-Men, mm-hmm. the, go- the good new men and the bad new men in the, Knights of, in the high evolutionary stories, the good and bad in humans, the good and bad uh, Asger- Asgardians. You know the the new gods of of uh, New Genesis and the ones of Apocalypse the 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 Eternals and the Deviants. He's doing this over and over, and even though he may not have been conscious of what he was doing, I mean, Evanier, for example, said, says he he wasn't t- really thinking in term, religious terms when he did the Galactus trilogy, but that's how it works for me. It's like Galactus is like is like uh, the god the god of wrath. Yeah. From That's the Old, the old God Testament, God. who's going to punish us all for our crimes. And the Watcher is the God of the New Testament, who's sort of a benign figure who cares about us, but who really intervenes. Mm. And in between, you've got, and then you've got the Silver Surfer, who's really sort of like a fallen angel. Mm. And he, but he's also like a Christ figure because what he does is he, he defends humanity against the God of wrath. <laughs> And I don't know, again, I don't know where this comes from in, in Kirby's background, except, you know, he must have had, had some sort of religious education when he was a child, but it's like, it runs all through his work. Yeah. And in terms of, uh, great film, well, the, the absolute best story that, that Lee and Kirby did together is a Fantastic flaw story called This Man, This Monster. Yes. And, which is about how a unnamed criminal scientist Captures the thing and uses this machine to steal his powers and his physical appearance. Mm -hmm. So the thing reverts to Ben Grimm, but this unnamed scientist turns into, it turns into the thing. And he go, and he infiltrates the fantastic Four, and he's up to no good. but what happens is that Reed Richards gets lost in the negative zone and and the thing and the, and the scientist the, the disguised scientist is so impressed by Reed's heroism that he goes in after him and sacrifices his own life to save Reed. Mm-hmm. and this is this is all in one store, one issue yeah, and you get these amazing Kirby visuals of the negative zone. Um, Kirby could uh, Kirby could 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 portray cosmic landscapes the way nobody else could in comics before or after and it's um and if, if you're asking me who's a minor character that Kirby did who impresses me or who's a villain a lesser a lesser villain you know way below the Doctor Doom level who impresses me there it is yeah that guy right
0: there that guy that guy well Peter I want to ask you one last question and that is what do you think Kirby's legacy on comics and specifically on the Marvel Universe will be
1: There is. well gosh his legacy is that he co-created the Marvel Universe mm-hmm. I mean he um, you know, you know there are things like you know Stan and Steve Ditko going off into Spider-Man but, but Kirby even had a, a hand in the very early development of Spider-Man I mean, Kirby did was the original artist and co-plotter, to whatever extent we don't know, of so many mar- Marvel series of the '60s. I mean, that's ones that he spent a long time on, like Fantastic Four and Thor. But he had a hand in Iron Man. He had a he even had a, had a hand in the early development of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was uh, he did the early X-Men issues. He did the early Avengers issues. He had a, he did the early Hulk issues. He had a hand in so many. In the creation of so many series and so many of the characters, heroes, villains, supporting characters who have endured right into the present. And also he was, the Marvel Revolution of the 60s was not just Stan's characterization, it was also this dynamic style. Style of artwork, and Kirby was the foremost exemplar of that. He, grew, uh, you could see him, like I say, blossom over the first few years. He was, he was doing fantastic work until by like 64, 65, 66 he is doing amazingly impressive work. Well, my friend Peter Gill, a former writer at Marvel, says Kirby is not one, just one of the great comics artists. He's one of the great artists of the twentieth century, and I'm sympathetic of that. And you know, when back in the '60s, when Stan would bring in new. Artists to 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 work on Marvel series. In many cases, he had them study Kirby's work, like with Gil Kane, as handsome as his. Give me a few minutes, please. Gil um, as as handsome as his work was on like Green Lantern, Adam at DC. When he started doing Hulk, the the first Abomination storyline. Uh, at Marvel, you can see a transformation. He's doing much more massive and powerful figures, much more dynamic action scenes, and that's because he's been looking at Kirby. Or like um, when Joe Steranko started doing S.H.I.E.L.D., he was working over Kirby layout, and obviously Kirby pl- plotting as well. And it's like, And this was happening over and over when Stan was bringing artists in to work on the early Marvel comics of the 60s. So Kirby pretty much created... The, the style of Marvel artwork. So it's not just the legacy of characters and concepts that endured at this time. I mean, the stuff created in the 60s, there's more of that that has lasted, you know, 50, 60 years at Marvel than anything created over the last... On the subsequent decades, with a few exceptions, but it's um, you know like like the New X Men for example, but it's um but it's also that he set a style of artwork that has influenced every superhero artist who has followed him. So that even even artists, if you look at their work, some of them like some of them like some of the, um, and they and it look it seems like way different from the, the art of the '60s, but they were still psych Kirby as, as a source. And if you look hard enough, yes, it's there. And you know you cannot be a superhero action artist without Knowing Kirby's work, he's,
0: he's still a major presence. Absolutely. Well, Peter, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting with us, and uh, we'll, we'll talk My to pleasure. you another time. But thank um, you. this is Marvel Kirby's universe.